This is the Game Changers Experience. Deep dive conversations with leading business disruptors, Olympic athletes, celebrities, entrepreneurs, and influencers from around the world. This show will teach you insights about the winning principles in mindset, productivity, marketing, branding, entrepreneurship, business strategy, and more. Hosted by Productivity Authority, business strategist, former elite athlete, author, and public speaker, Adam Strong. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Game Changers Experience with myself, Adam Strong. And today we have another amazing guest here lined up for you here on the show. And, um, you know, it's really interesting. I was kind of reflecting the other day and, you know, because we just celebrated um, a few weeks ago, our three year anniversary, and we're coming up to 250 episodes, kind of like the the quarter century, like proud moment type of thing. So um, super excited. But listen, if you have listened to this many times before, even if you're a new listener, and you like the tone of my voice and you like the energy and you love the content and you've listened to a few episodes, do me a favor. I would really greatly appreciate if we could get some feedback from you, you know, because feedback's crucial for the, for the podcast, of course, because we don't know how to make improvements. We don't know as we hear from you guys. So it's really important. We greatly appreciate any feedback. So if you're over on Apple or on Spotify, feel free to leave a one or a five-star review, whichever you prefer. And uh, five stars are always better. Um, but uh, I would greatly appreciate if you if you could leave that for me. Anyway, um, let's get on to today's show because I'm super excited about today. We're going to be talking about a, a fascinating subject that I've always been kind of um, curious about, which is all around culture. And my good friend, Eric Stone, who's our guest today, He's a real authority in workplace culture. Now, what? who is Eric? Let, let me kind of give you a bit of a synopsis of who Eric is. Eric's background used to be a regional vice president of the car company, the car rental company, Enterprise. And so he uh, has used his 27 years of experience. It's probably 26 or 25. I can't remember. He's going to correct me in a second. But 27 years of experience. In, in, in holding that position, but effectively creating thriving, high-performance work cultures and how he applied the methodology in enterprise and how you can apply that methodology in your business too. doesn't matter if you're small or you're large. It doesn't matter. Fundamentals don't change, right? Now, Eric also serves as, um, as a, a he's served on the board of many non-for-profits, and he's also got an amazing book coming out in October of this year called uh, Jumpstart Your Work Culture, which is kind of similar to the theme of today. Um, so that's what we're looking a little bit about today. So what are some of the questions that I'm going to be asking? What are some of the key themes that we're going to be touching base about today? So I'm going to be touching base with Eric about his experience as being a regional vice president of Enterprise. What did, um, what did he learn about workplace culture before and after he left the company. So I'm intrigued about kind of the transformational and you know what workplace creating work high performing workplace cultures is not, not number one is not only not easy, but it takes time to emulate and mature. Right. So you've got to kind of understand that. We're also going to be talking about the difference between a culture that is deemed as a weak culture and a strong culture, right? So we're going to be talking a little bit about the differentiation factors between the two. 
Um, we're going to talk a little bit about what Eric's typical day typically look like being a vi regional vice president, because um, again, I haven't really worked in co uh, in corporate as such, but I'm always intrigued to f to find out how he was, um, I suppose, empowering his people within his organization and what that looked like on, on a daily basis. Um, we're also going to be talking a little bit about Eric's book and some of the strategies, techniques, uh, and some of the frameworks within the book as well. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about why, as I mentioned to you guys, we're going to talk a little bit about as cold, it does, it's not one of those overnight things that you can just switch on and off, right? It's not one of those things. You know, we, we're going to be talking a little bit about, you know, the progress to leading to transformational cultures. We're going to be talking a little bit about that. So lots about workplace culture, lots of stuff about uh, high performance uh, and things like that. So I'm really fascinated about today's conversations, some value bombs from today's episode. All right. So if you've got your pen and paper handy, all right, it's really important that if you've got any, uh, just make notes. I mean, I literally, I have my book in front of me and I love making notes because to me, when I, when we do things like this, right, it is like kind of like my personal development. It's my way of learning, right? So the best way to learn is to is to is to get gain insight from other people. So that's what kind of I'm endorsing you guys to do. Now, before we get started, formalities. If you're listening to us live, use the hashtag live. Use the hashtag replay, as you can see here. Of course, if you don't have the opportunity to listen to us over on uh, over on LinkedIn Live or on Facebook or on Twitter, then feel free to head over to the podcast over on Apple, Amazon Music, Google. Uh, Spotify or any other favorite um, podcast platforms at all. Anyway, let's get, I feel like I'm babbling on now. So listen, let's bring the main guy. There we go. Here we go. Eric, welcome to the show, my friend. How are you, Adam? I'm really good. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I was uh, admiring your 250th coming close milestone. And today is... Uh, Believe it or not, 31 years ago, I entered the workplace August 17th. So it's uh, special for wow. both of us, I guess. There we go. So we're, ce we're celebrating that. that. That's cool. It's cool. <laughs> so um, so listen, really looking forward to today's conversation. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's you know, I mean, you, your background's in corporate, of course. But it's interesting how you can learn so much from someone that has a C-level position, you know, management position within corporate and how to apply it in smaller businesses. It kind of kind of fascinates me, you know, because I think I feel like you can learn there's both ends of the stick. If you're a corp, you know, if you're someone that has a management position, you can learn small businesses and vice versa. Do you, do you know what I mean? I do. I do. Yeah, believe it or not, there, there's a lot of people I'll uh I'll work with that you know, they have 10 people within their organization and every bit of the stuff, they're timeless principles that carry to a variety of uh, employee counts. Yep. Sounds good. So looking forward to today's conversation. Um, so, I mean, let, listen, guys, let's just, we're going to just jump in. And by the way, if you have any questions for Eric, feel free to make any comments or questions down uh, in the comment section below, of course, and feel free to check out uh, Eric's uh, social media links. Uh, below. You can see that in the description notes, of course, and feel free to follow us over on LinkedIn and make sure you click on that bell notification, which is in the top right-hand corner. That way, you're not going to miss out on anything that we do in terms of content, going live, 
So it gives you a great opportunity. Anyway, let's jump in. Let's jump in. Let's jump in. So listen, I mean, was it, it was 27 years, wasn't it? Was it 27 years? Did I get that right? You, you, it was just under. So you, you, uh, you rounded up for me, but I'll take that. Oh, okay. 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 That's, that's good. That's good. So, okay. So 27 years of experience or just under, uh, at, at, at enterprise, which is no small company, very large company in the car rental, uh, space and stuff. But what did you, I mean, in your time, in that period of time, which is a, you know, a long period of time for being, you know, for being loyal to a company for such a long time, what did you learn, not just as a leader, but as someone that was part of that company? What do you learn about sort of workplace culture, you know, during over that period of time? Yeah, I, I mean, you get ingrained and in any great company. It's it's the you get ingrained with the values of the company. And so mm. from jump, you would get the eight values that enterprise has that really are your kind of foundation or your really your guiding light to the decisions that you're going to make. And so they do a really good job of instilling that and throughout your employee journey. And so it kind of tells you step one, the right way to do things. And I think any great company is going to have not just list the values. We, we both have a uh, uh, an acquaintance, Gary Ridge, I think his line was, you, you don't just list the values, you have to live the values. And I think they right. do a tremendous job of doing that. Did you, um, did you learn, I mean, in terms of like, did you have um, any kind of uh, mentors or someone that you looked up to in enterprise? And, you know, because I mean, you, you were loyal, you I mean, you stay with the company for 27 years. I mean, that's, that's a long time, you know, number one. So what, what what kind of what earned your what earns the loyalty for you with one company? I'm mean, I'm just again I'm curious. Yeah, such an outlier nowadays for sure. Uh, to me, it was a simple equation when I went in. So so yeah, I had mentors within the company, and I also utilized resources outside the company because I always wanted mm -hmm. another viewpoint. Um, but uh, to me, it was um, treat me well. Give me an opportunity and I'm yours. Being open to the fact that things aren't always going to go my way. And so I had that simple mindset. Uh, treat me well. Guide me, train me, coach me, develop me. Uh, hopefully recognize my, my effort and performance. And if you do those things and you follow the values that you espouse, I'm in. And so mm. they did a really nice job of doing that. Love that. Love that. It's, it's, it's interesting. I love to hear, you know, you don't commonly hear of companies that follow through what they say they're going to do to what they actually do. Do you know what I mean? I do. I do. Yeah. Well, and, and, that, and that's such a, an important part, because let, let, let's say you have a metrics that is about customer service. And if customer service mm -hmm. is one of those key experiences you're trying to drive and it's your way of mm -hmm. life, and you don't follow those guidelines when it comes to promotional criteria or whatever it is, you're just making everything you've built extremely hard. Yeah, absolutely. That, now, interestingly enough, I'd love to get your opinion about the differentiation between what you would deem as a strong workplace culture to one that maybe is fragile, weak, maybe massive room improvement but in the terms of the polar opposites to strong what how would you how would you kind of differentiation between the two uh between the two yeah i mean the easiest thing to do is 
you know, if you've ever gone into an organization, whether it could be a chain restaurant, it could be a bank facility, it could be wherever, and you mm. walk into the organization and you, you're feeling something special. There's this greeting that employee one has. There's hand, you know, high fives in the background. There's this attitude and effort, and you see this coachability happening right in front of you. It's just something special. And so you can mm. witness it. And conversely, you can see the same thing when it's off. It's a little artificial. It's not authentic. And so there's some, you know, we, you, many you people use the term artifacts. You'll see certain things that happen. But usually the companies that have a very, and, and you have a culture, good or bad, right? It's like brand. You have a brand and the brand is what they say about you when you're not in the room. And, and mm-hmm. you know, culture is the behaviors that happen when leadership's not in the room. And right. so what you t- find with the great ones is this clarity, this simplicity, this ability to digest. They have the pillars of policies, procedures, values, mission, vision on one side. They have a systematic approach that allows you to embrace initiatives. Things are understood. Mm-hmm. There is no confusion. They avoid the noise. There is lack of disconnect throughout the organization. It's just something special. Mm. And then with regards to I guess a weak culture, it would be completely the polar opposite to what you've just said, I guess. So, you know, unfortunately, I know far too many people when you're down at the beach, you're at a restaurant, you're having a company over and you ask, how are things going? Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's usually lack of support. They don't Mm -hmm. feel that they're being supported. It's I don't have the tools to be successful. Right. I'm not getting recognized for my effort. Uh, they just don't seem to listen, you know, and it's so it's all you're right. It's like the polar polar opposite. Polar opposites. Very interesting. And I guess I guess being in a um, a large company like Enterprise, I, I suppose you, you would have experienced both ends of the spectrum. You know, you would have experienced the the, the strengths. And then you realize that actually there's always room for improvement in terms of like this particular area and whatever it is. Was there anything that you would say from your perspective, being a, a an expert in workplace culture, would you have said that enterprise w- was striving to make improvements to, but they didn't quite get there in terms of their culture? Was there anything at all that kind of, you know, sort of sprung out of you? You know, I, I got to give them credit. They, they've done so much right. I think with anything, um, you know, technology back early on was a huge opportunity. And right. they, I think, but again, what makes organizations special is they listen. And so you might have a leadership development session, an officer's meeting of where you would voice things that are opportunistic to try to clear the clear the gap between behaviors and the values that they espouse. Mm-hmm. And that's that's where perfect alignment comes. And so, you know, but then, of course, what do they do? They they create a unique technology that creates an amazing experience that changes the interaction of a customer. You know, they, like any organization, make big decisions, uh, acquiring, being involved with an acquisition to better position yourself for the end user, the consumer, and offer more opportunities for your employees. So the great companies find a way, just like enterprise, to really listen. Mm. I'm curious, actually, you know, I mean, your position of regional VP, which sounds like a really important position, by the way, um, which I'm sure it was um, in terms of like, you know, I, I, I mean, how much of decision making were you making as part of that? Was it was it quite senior? Or, I'm just curious. Yeah, they, they do a really nice job. Um, 
a quick funny story. So you talk about culture. My my young my oldest son is a branch manager actually with the company. Cool. So um, you know he was ingrained within the culture that I I was bringing him up in. Rephrase that question again. I want to make sure. So we'll say that one more time. Yeah. So basically, I was just saying, like, from you know being being a, a, an, an important decision maker within enterprise, it sounds really illustrious and it's an, 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 a wonderful title to have. But how much of the decision making process were you part of as that? Were you kind of the main guy to be kind of in charge of creating this high performance work culture? Or did you kind of have to report to someone or draft people in? I, I was just curious yeah. to know. Yeah, really, really good question. So, um, be, you know, being decentralized, one thing that I think a lot of people really love is you're always reporting to somebody unless you're the founder. And so I was not the founder. And so there are some guidelines that they give. But what I loved and why I was there for almost 27 years was the ability. I mean, you have, you know, 45, 50 brick and mortar stores. You have some training, but you put the bells and whistles behind some of your own training that you have identified as a need. You would be responsible for the appropriate fleet for your customers and things like that. And so there's a whole bunch of information and opportunities they give you. You're doing your interviews. You're doing your uh, tweaking certain um, initiatives that you might have. And they'll, of course, like any great company, give you the guardrails of where you want to stay within in, in those confines. Hmm. Very cool. All right. Sounds good. Um, just out of curiosity, I mean, okay, so got the guidelines, get that. And so you've effectively created, I mean, when you when you're working with enterprise over the 27 year period and and kind of emulating towards this high performance culture, what do you it, you know, and I'm just thinking if you were kind of an outsource, like if you were kind of not employed directly within, for example, like to go into a company and to try to improve upon it or fix it. Was there like, did you create some sort of framework or methodology? Like, how did you identify the fragments or the improvement points within that culture? I was just I was just kind of like, you know, what what, what is it that you observe? What, or what are you trying to observe to try to find where those improvements need to be? Yeah, I, I did. I, I think, uh, you know, and I actually talk about it within the book mm. of an approach that I utilize wherever I go. And it's just really a five-step approach. And it really mm -hmm. opens up the podcast like you did asking for feedback. But if you could envision, you know, the easiest way envisioning an hourglass and on the top of that hourglass is your, it could be your board, it could be your clients, customers, stakeholders, employees, and you have all of this information that you have to figure out quickly how to get some feedback. And as you get that feedback, Adam, you're going to slowly embrace it. And that as the hourglass shapes, you're kind of removing some of the distraction, bringing in clarity until right where you see the sand part coming out is the priority, is the objective. And so you have taken all of that weeded it through that one spot for clarity. And then as the hourglass then opens up again, you now have to have this rollout, this training. How do you get the initiatives in every single layer of your employee from new hire one to employee 1000? And at the end, of course, is some form of assessment that you have to look at that also within the book, I give an approach to measure 
workplace culture. Now, as you'd imagine, right when you think you have it, like in anything else, you then most likely something happens, geez, like a pandemic, like who, I don't know, new technology, merger acquisition, whatever happens. And that's where you'd also turn the hourglass over. And, you know, I don't want to say lather, rinse, repeat, but, you know, you're going to follow an approach similar to that. Right. That makes complete sense. Cool. Sounds good. Now, in your, I, I guess in your book, which is due to come out in October, very, very exciting times. Um, then, I mean, there must be quite a few, I mean, you've named kind of a, a methodology. You, you talked about your methodology a little bit, but is there any time, is there any one specific type of strategy that you would have said that, which you would highlight as kind of like the one two strategy that leaders often overlook when trying to build like a positive work culture. Is there anything specific within the framework in the book that kind of yeah. you thought, Oh, that's that one thing that's missing. Yeah. I mean, I think the easiest, there's a simple, not simplistic approach. And I would guide a five person organization, a 5,000, 500,000 person organization to focus on just the simplicity of these factors of engagement for your team. And there is there are five very easy things that organizations should Im input into their organization and take what you presently do, mm. take those five opportunistic categories and enhance what you have. And so if there's a simple approach, you might have your company values. I had also the five factors of engagement. That was everywhere, every training class, every field visit, Every review would talk about it. And to me, when you have no way to not be connected is when clarity comes in. And that's the art. Mm. Now, you mentioned around five factors of engagement. I think you may have mentioned it before, but what are the five factors of engagement? So, you know, the first thing, again, why people end up leaving a company is they usually don't have a strong relationship with their immediate manager. And so what are the things your organization is doing from new hire to onboarding to training and throughout to encourage the ability to build a relationship and trust? And when you have mm. a strong relationship, you usually have strong results. Agreed. You have clear communication of expectations and, and, and goals. Um, yep. I think 40% of employees are unsure of what their expectations are. That is, it is unbelievable when you ask someone, what are their priorities in work? And you ask them, and then you ask their boss, and you get completely different answers. And so, clear expectations and goals. Uh, number three, the right material equipment in order for someone to get the desired outcome. I mean, you've got to have the proper training and development information throughout the organization mm -hmm. that is going to help develop create these kind of culture carriers that are going to help you with scaling your culture. Agreed. You're, you're going to want to have personal and professional development. So, you know, hey, I have a meeting. I, it can't just be all business. Uh, it needs to be a little bit about maybe it's something personal about budgeting or something that's going to help me at home as well. And of course, lastly, recognizing performance. Lovely. Recognizing performance. Very cool. So I was just vigorously writing those things down because I just felt like that that was uh, some really good value bombs. For you guys that are listening in, by the way, uh, and uh, want to ask a question or you want to make a comment about Eric and around workplace culture, we'd love to hear from you. Feel free to make any comments in the comment section below. That'd be super awesome. If you're listening to this on the podcast and you think, wow, Eric sounds like a really fascinating guy, or even Adam sounds like a fascinating guy, 
feel free to connect with us over on LinkedIn and on uh, other social media channels. Follow us, give us a hi, give us a like, you know, and, and as Eric has already highlighted, relationships and trust, two big things that I'm a big fan of, right? So this is the reason why we have the tribe of the game, game changers, because it's built on those principles. We're creating a culture, right? So there we go. So there's some, uh, it's, it's, it's some, it's some good rules of thumb there. Now, um, what was going to say? Interestingly enough, I mean, one thing that came to mind, and I, I brought this up earlier on, actually, which is around that culture, you know, company culture, it doesn't happen overnight. It's not an overnight success. It's not something that you can expect to be done in a week, a month, or whatever it might be. It's very much a long-term project isn't it like creating a sort of a company culture and stuff like that now how can from your perspective how can leaders kind of measure and track success or progress should we say in trying to transform their own culture where it is right now to where they want to go any any thoughts there eric yeah i mean this could go into two different directions but but number one and depending on your organization, but I cannot, you know, I use Starbucks as an example, and it's about mm. field presence. I mean, step one, field presence. You have the CEO who comes in and says, once a month, I'm going to spend a half a day with side by side with the baristas, understanding some of the things that are going on, building relationship, understanding some of the challenges. And so step one for me was always, you have to be visible. And that is so mm. simple, but everyone gets caught behind well, at home nowadays or behind a desk, and it becomes very challenging to do some of those things. You've got to find a way, certainly virtually, having a way to be omnipresent where you're, where you're everywhere. Mm. And so those are good touch points. You, of course, have your reviews and stay interviews where you're staying very visible and active within your organization to understand what people are communicating to you. And so, you know, again, stay interview or just questions to make sure the experiences you've said you're going to do that you're living up to. And then eventually there are a variety of things you can do to actually measure some of the traction, which is kind of part of really part of my last chapter, which is this measurement of organizational culture. And you could take some qualitative and some quantitative and kind of put them together. And that's what I did to create this sliding scale that lets you know what's the health of your organization. For example, everyone knows about engagement surveys and, and whatever you do, whether you're using a third party you know, that would be an important thing to check the pulse of the organization. I love to mirror that with the customer's experience. When the customers are unhappy, usually it is a disconnect between what's going on from the employee to the customer. And those are two huge components. And in my assessment, doubly weighted. And when you see things that are off on those measurements, it is not to be taken lightly. Those are just a few yeah. things that you can, yeah. Cool. Sounds good. Now, I'm sure you've experienced this. Obviously, you would have experienced this in the in sort of in what in the position that you held in enterprise. But toxic employees now they can be very disruptive with regards to company culture. You know, kind of. It's a, I have a saying, Eric, is that a, if you've got one bad apple, that bad apple can then turn into ten or twenty bad apples, so it becomes toxic and can really disrupt, you know, sort of company workplace culture, if you like, how, um, if, if, you know, maybe using a story or maybe you've ever been in a situation where you've had to deal with 
someone that you deemed as what we call a toxic person that is disrupting the culture. What did you do in that situation? What were the circumstances? What did you do in the situation? And is there any advice for our listeners that have me a toxic employee that they need to deal with? Because otherwise it could lead to bad consequences. Any thoughts? Yeah, great, great question. You know, the first part is, uh, and I give Mark Cuban credit for saying it, you know, he, he says, you know, w- one toxic person can adapt with a strong culture to two toxic people hang out together and create the noise you, t- you don't want to have. <laughs> and, and, and so that is the ultimate reason why culture is so important is because it is it acts as a shock absorber. You know, in the book, I use a metaphor of a journey. And the point of it, there's going to be some rocky roads. No one's perfect. We all make mistakes. The culture is that shock absorber that kind of gets people to from becoming toxic after a few steps. I definitely have. I was victim as a younger leader where I was, you know, unfortunately surprised at the word that was going on through a particular point in my region. So we would have 10 regions, mm-hmm. but within one something was not adding up and it was 100% my fault. And it was relating to a compensation disconnect that someone didn't understand that then somehow snowballed, give the person credit. They had a voice and it carried. And so what we, of course, like we always do is listen and staying close and doing a field visit Mm -hmm. and then bringing up what I had, what was called the think tank. And many people have them. It's usually not the initiatives. That's the hard part. It's actually having a functional think tank of which you're taking leaders within your organization periodically to meet together. And they were my, I I guess, for a better word, the mouthpiece of of people. And so they would communicate and we would meet every other month. And the biggest rule was that you cannot just agree with me. And so they gave me some valuable feedback, which transitioned into an important meeting where we brought all our managers up to go over some of those things that were causing a question about a compensation piece. We then carefully thought it out, got their guidance. And like with anything, you can't, it doesn't stop there. So you you then roll it out, but then you have to have a follow-up conference call or a Zoom call with each level to make sure it was transitioned properly to the early stage, to the mid stage, to the senior stage. And it's, I'll tell you what, it's exhausting, but that's how you know when you're usually doing it right. I guess I guess it's kind of like you, you have to continue to repeat yourself a bit like being a being like a scratched record. You feel like you're being a scratched record where you're just repeating yourself over and over and over again until it kind of like cements into their subconscious that they're repeating it in their in their sleep, right? You, it's it's a it's a great analogy. I mean, it's it's what the great <laughs> athletes do. I mean, the great well, like you, Adam, you know, one of the, the uh-huh. great athletes is you created things that you know eventually became not only a habit but a ritual. You know, mm-hmm. and it, you you know then when you start to see success, it becomes stronger and stronger and stronger. And mm-hmm. that just as a side uh, piece is where you then can add things, then it can be additive where you get a little creative with technology or something. What usually happens is people don't execute the basics, try to implement the hard, and you're creating more flavor of the week and noise. Absolutely. Now, one thing that springs to my mind, and and this is kind of definitely applicable to some of our listeners, which may have a slightly smaller business. They're definitely not as big as enterprise, I can assure you. And they might have a small team. It might be a small business. Um, How can your small business owner 
apply some of the principles that you've outlined in your book what do you how can how can they use those principles that you've maybe experienced in enterprise how can they use those leadership and workplace culture principles and bring it into their own business um any thoughts there yeah i would i would almost circle back there are a number of things but i would start mm. with the five factors and i would start with you know again simply what do i do to create strong relationships with my team whether it's five mm. or 500 what are some of the things that what is my initiative from hire to you know three months six months in how am i you know we used to call something it was a, a 30 minutes of fame and it was just mm. a setting that you'd have with your employee two times a month and it was to really learn a how are they doing and then how are they doing within what they're working on and mm. so there are so many of those five. It doesn't matter. That's the that's the beauty of of what I write about is it could be 10. It could be a thousand. Mm. Uh, you know, so the, got... that, you know, one other thing is, is whatever you do to kind of coach and train your folks, I would always circle back. It's one of those common things of we we kind of sometimes leave whatever we have in the training trunk. And we don't kind of look for gaps periodically because business changes very quickly, especially with technology and assess your training process and practices is another simple, simple thing. Reevaluating policies and procedures you might have put in. So there's just so many that you could do. I mean, there's I mean, I mean you've covered pretty much what five or six things that people could just do, you know, the simple the simplicities of just doing those things and asking what you're saying is specific questions around that. And they're kind of like a Q and a session with yourself. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in in the first chapter of what I talk about, there are some key questions personally, professionally that you should always be asking your team and some are basic and some you just need to be asking. And uh, that opens up to what you said is that trust piece that is so important because most people are looking for people or frankly complaining about their employees when they need to do some things that are better and they need to build trust and they need to create a bench so they can do the things they want to do. Love it. Love it. Love it. Some really good stuff. Well, listen, this has been a, a really fascinating uh, conversation. Um, I, ho- I hope you guys have been enjoying our conversations around workplace culture and I hope you've been uh, enjoying some of our uh, value bombs that Eric has been uh, been dropping, of course. And if you have any questions, like I said, feel free to make any comments in the comment section. And uh, if we don't get back to you immediately, of course, we'll get back to you, of course. Um, but as I en- uh, 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 endorsed you guys to do, feel free to reach out to myself and Eric. And uh, if you have any questions, we'll get back to you as soon as we can. So, um, Eric, just before you go, by the way, Jump, uh, your, your book, How to Jumpstart Your Culture, comes out October the 1st. Is that right? O- October the 1st? October 3rd, but they could arrive, they said, as soon as October 1st. So they're in the pre-order status that you can go through a variety of channels, whether it's Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Amplified Publishing. You could go to any any resource and uh, and put a pre-order. Good. Great stuff. So, um, by the way, uh, Eric, I just want to say thank you so much for being on the show today. It's been a it's been a jam, and uh, and we've uh, we've gone through uh, quite a significant deep dive on the whole workplace culture. So, I just want to say thank you so much. It was it was it was awesome being on your podcast. I really appreciate it. Thanks for the time.
Thanks, guys. So I hope you've enjoyed today's show, guys. Hope uh, And I hope you've uh, really enjoyed uh, all about our talk about workplace culture. And uh, hopefully we'll see you again soon on the uh, Game Changers experience. From me and Eric, take care, and we'll see you soon. Cheers, everyone. <laughs>